Hello, friends. Welcome to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. Normally, this is the podcast where we watch a Muppet movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot, but today we're doing something a little bit different. We'll tell you about that in a second. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And we are very happy to have our guest here with us today. He joined us for The Muppet Movie and The Great Muppet Caper. And he also happens to be the guy who created ToughPigs.com. Guest, please tell our listeners who you are. Hi, I'm Danny Horn. Uh, Very happy to be here and talk to you guys. We are very happy to have you here. And you are here to talk about a TV special called The Muppets Go to the Movies. Uh, this is from this. This aired on ABC on May twentieth, nineteen eighty one, as I, I guess a promotional thing for the Great Muppet Caper. Although yes. the movie actually came out on June twenty sixth, which is a month later. A month so, later. Yeah. Well, things things moved slower back in nineteen eighty one. I guess it didn't, they like did. it didn't work like that. There wasn't like uh, next you know same day releases. Right. Right. Well, and I I guess they wanted like this was back when the sweeps were a real thing on TV, right? Where anything that aired in November, February, or May was like treated like a big deal. Oh, right. That's true. So they yeah. wanted to get this in in May rather than June. I, that, that's my guess. And back then people went outside. So June 26th was like summertime, which used to mean something back then. Right. They right. couldn't count on people sitting inside watching TV in June. Right. Did the network still do sweeps? Is that still something? Uh I'm sure it is officially, but I, like, I didn't realize that there were still networks. Right. I'm glad to hear that. Actually, that's really that's good for them. Hey, nobody, nobody ever talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is actually. Uh, I love this special, and it's super weird because this is not just a special that is promoting the Great Muppet Keeper, but this is basically the last episode of the Muppet Show. Right, yeah, I, I, I have that written down too. This is the series finale, right? This yeah. is the double length, double guest star series finale of the Muppet Show. Yeah, I think Anthony, you were the first person I heard sort of come up with that that turn of phrase that this is like the series finale. Yeah, and and on a network where like the you know the um, the Muppet Show was syndicated, so it's on like local stations. And That's now true. for really the only time, this is essentially an episode of the Muppet Show that aired on ABC. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're going all out for this. Yeah. Um, which, it, it is kind of fun that it was ABC, which was later the home of Muppets Tonight and M- The Office But the Bad and Starring Muppets. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it had also previously been where... Was it just Sex and Violence, or did The Valentine Show also air on TV? Oh, no, on ABC. Uh, Valentine Show right. and Sex and Violence were both ABC. I, I took the liberty of, of looking all this up, because I was... It, Good. I was wondering about yeah, so Muppet Valentine Show and Sex and Violence, which are the two pilots for the Muppet Show, they were both on ABC. And then uh, Muppet School Hollywood, which was 1979 for the Muppet movie, that was CBS. And then the same year, ABC also had the John Denver Christmas special. Oh, okay. Oh, and then this. Yeah. yeah. And so they really like hopped all around. Like even after this, they went like Fantastic Miss Piggy Show was ABC, Celebration of 30 Years was CBS. And then the one that when I, I looked this up, I couldn't believe it. Muppets at Walt Disney World was NBC in 1990. Yeah. Disney had a Disney had a thing with the, with with uh, NBC for a while. That's where the Magical World of Disney was airing for yeah. several years. Yeah, because Disney didn't buy ABC until what, like '95, something like yep. that. I mean, it's and didn't it's, and didn't buy the Muppets until like 2005, I think. 
Right. Yeah, they, 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 no, they, they, they bought the Muppets yeah. in 2004. 2004, put, yeah. Yes. Put them in a closet in 2005. And never <laughs> right, yes. Well, so the Jim Henson Hour was also on NBC, we should mention. So just seeing like Muppets, when I looked up, like Muppets, Walt Disney, what was that on again? Like, oh, NBC, it just feels incredibly wrong. In yeah. A way that, that is uh, because we're from the future, I guess. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was a strange um, time. So I feel like with this special, ABC is basically saying that they're sorry that they didn't pick up the Muppet Show in the first place. Like they, they showed both of the pilots and then said, nah, we don't think the Muppet Show is really going to fly. And then like it, they, they made the wrong call. I'm going to say on that one. Um, yeah. Although I, I mean, I think yes, but also I don't think there's any way that show runs five seasons on, on network television. That might in, be true. Starting in 1976. Right. I mean, like if you, if you look at stuff like Sonny and Cher, three seasons, Donnie yes. and Marie, three seasons. Like I, right. I, I don't think ABC gives them up. It's five years. Yeah. No, I think no, so. probably not. So I think it worked out for the best. Oh, for yeah. sure. But this, I, the thing that I really like is, um, you know, now it's 1981. And really, 1981, I think, is like the very peak of the Muppets' popularity. It never gets this good again. Um, they've got, like, great Muppet capers coming out. And then this is the year of Miss Piggy's Guide to Life. And, like, the 1981 Miss Piggy cover girl calendar. Like, mm. everyone's excited about, like, this is the final season of the Muppet Show. After that, like, it, this is their year. And so ABC desperately wants this special. Like they really want to do this. And they put it, like I said, like they put it right in the middle of, of sweeps period. Um, and so the Muppets say, okay, cool. ABC. Yeah, no, we'll, we're happy to do the special. We're going to do an Ingmar Bergman spoof for like five <laughs> minutes. And ABC just says, okay. Oh yeah, no, that sounds great. Let's do that. Yeah. Which is amazing. So I, so I feel good. like, yeah, I feel like like we need to get into that headspace of like, um, what what is ABC thinking? Yeah, as they as they see this very strange thing coming together. Yeah, yeah, just the Muppets were that hot. Yeah, um, and yeah, well, we should get into the actual special in a, a second. But I was also thinking, I can think of there were I think uh, tie-in TV specials for the Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island, were but that? those were just pretty much like very superficial like interviews with the cast and crew so this is really the only well okay so there was the the muppets go hollywood also but this is really the only truly substantial movie tie-in special that they've done as far as i can tell it it is except they really don't make a big deal about it like great muppet caper is very low in the mix in this i think i noted like when how long does it take them to actually say the phrase great muppet caper it's pretty far it's about it's close to 20 minutes minutes. Mm. yeah it's like 15 minutes into the show is the first time that they say those words right uh and yeah and you're right i suppose nobody watching at the time knew what hey a movie was yeah so it's no one had heard it yet yeah yeah so it was promoted obviously as like the the um you know this is this is celebrating the great muppet capers you know coming out (laughs) next month but in the show itself they only they say great Muppet Caper 15 minutes in and then like later on they just talk about it as the movie. It's in the movie. Hmm. In a like, way uh, that is very much not like how Disney and ABC would be doing this right now. That's true. I guess they were just assuming that everyone would kind of know when they saw a poster at their local movie theater that that was the movie that they were talking about. Yeah, it's the Muppets. It's 1981. <laughs> right. Every it's it's like the opposite of 
Muppets Most Wanted, basically. Like, everyone in the world knows there's a Muppet movie coming out. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So one thing I, I did notice, I, I like the special very much. I think it's great and very funny. Um, I did notice a lot of the sketches in this don't really have an ending. They just mm-hmm. sort of uh, kind of deteriorate. They get more and more chaotic, and then they're just done. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. That's <laughs> something I wanted to, to mention up front, and I'll point it out as we go along. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't detract from the comedy value. But, but um, yeah, something, something that I think is, is interesting, and we can track this as, as we go, is like, this is sort of, it's the final episode of The Muppet Show, but they also do a bunch of stuff that makes it not feel like The Muppet Show. Um, it doesn't have the theme, you know? It doesn't have, mm. um, in a lot of ways, it kind of violates the structure. Of right, the although, although, it. although it does start out with Kermit in front of that red curtain doing it an does. intro, you, yeah. you know, which like, and you, even like when Fozzie comes out, we hear the da 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 even though he's just like introducing a sketch or something. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of like there's a lot of the Muppet Show in it. Obviously, there's like the backstage and there's Sattler and Waldorf up in the box. But then I guess actually this, if if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna segue into the beginning. Yeah. Um Please. because the opening, the opening is is like the most surprising thing for people who know the Muppet Show, which was basically everyone at the time. Like it opens with an announcer. Ladies and gentlemen, stand by for the television event of the decade. Never before such excitement. Never before such danger. Never before such passion. Basically showing a trailer for the special we're about to see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, with these little with, with these like uh splashy titles on the screen. Yeah. And so like there's no theme song and it just kind of rolls into it and does a gummo marks joke. <laughs> Yeah, real, real early, and often. Yeah, Gummo <laughs> is a, a running gag in this, which is great. Um, I don't know. I think we've we well, we've definitely talked about the Marx Brothers on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. We we actually had an episode of this podcast entitled Groucho Glasses. <laughs> right. So. so you can go back to those episodes if you don't know about the Marx Brothers. But there was a fifth Marx Brother, Gummo, who performed in the act only on stage, did not ever uh, appear in any of their movies. And I guess just the idea, or maybe just the name Gummo, just struck the writers of this special. Very funny. Yeah, so, well, I mean, he was on the writing staff. Gummo was. So that's According why, to the that's end credits of the special, Gummo. yes, Gummo was one of the writers. He One of like only four or five credited writers on this. So I think that, that brings up one of my big questions about the special, which is, when does it take place? And who is it for? Um, because I was 10 when I saw the special. I was 10 in like in 1981 and I saw the special and that's when I saw Great Muppet Caper. Gummo Marx was not, he left the Marx Brothers in 1918. <laughs> <laughs> I had no chance of knowing who that was. Right, even but, even if you were the enough of a movie nerd and a comedy nerd to know the Marx Brothers, you there was yeah, no way that you would which have I definitely about did. No clue. Right. Um and actually but, I noticed kind of re, you know rewatching this that like everything is from the 50s and before. Hmm. There are all the all the spoofs, yeah. Yeah. And they are uh like there's maybe two things that happen right in this first song. 
that are, I think, the only clues that this is even broadcast after, like, 1970. Yeah. You're talking about the Star Wars clip? Is that one of those? Yeah, there's a little Star Wars clip in Hey! A Movie, and and then the little clip of the Muppet movie, which is the most recent movie that gets Yeah, well, I mean... I, I so I will say a bridge too far. Like the final number is a frog too far. That movie is from nineteen seventy seven. Yeah. But it's it's, but it's, it's still, just World War Two. Right? Yeah, it's, it's still like a, a kind of a general yeah. spoof of World War Two movies too. Right. Right. Yeah, it's not it doesn't have much to do with that particular movie other than the type. Yeah. Hmm. So so basically this is this takes place in the past somehow. Well, but I mean that's the Muppet I mean the, the Muppet show is vaudeville. Music hall, mm-hmm. you, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's. I mean, I know they did staying alive and stuff, but yeah, it's not did, like the Muppet Show was was cutting edge. No, it's, it's already just, a throwback. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's just funny to me that like, I, it feels actually like the this special, possibly more than the show, is just aimed at adults more. Yeah, I guess maybe kids, that has something to do too like, with it being primetime network. Yeah, maybe they thought, okay, it's going to be a lot of adults who are going to watch the show. Yeah, but like so they're not—they're not riffing on The Godfather. They're not riffing on Superman or any any mm-hmm. other recent yes. movies like that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think probably the 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 movie that I knew best that's part of this is The Wizard of Oz, but that's like 1939. Right, 39. Yeah, although we should say that all these movies were old, but this is also the time when like old movies were on TV late at night. You know, mm, lo- local stations just ran old movies instead of infomercials. Like, all this stuff was just kind of on TV all the time in a way that it isn't now. Yeah. Right. Everyone could could sort of stumble upon them without having to seek them out. Right. Um, one thing I noticed in the opening and in the closing credits, Dudley Moore is a guest star. Lily Tomlin is a special guest star. Special guest. Oh. And, th- and that's a joke, right? Like, that's like a little cute, like, I don't Dudley's know that. here too, but... That but feels Lily like a special. that feels like a billing thing to me. Like, was was Lily Tomlin enough of a star that she was more famous than Dudley Moore at the time? I don't know. Um, um let's see. I mean, ten ten would have come out in nineteen seventy nine, which is Dudley Moore's big break in America. Yeah, yeah. But but Arthur, Arthur, but Arthur. I'm looking it up. Arthur came out in eighty one. But let's see, came out yeah. in July. So so Arthur wasn't out yet. Okay. Arthur came mm-hmm. out in July of nineteen eighty one, whereas Nine to Five uh, had come out. In, in 1980. Yeah. So maybe, Lily Tomlin was, was riding high. Yeah, maybe you know? she just had a better agent. I don't know. Yeah. I love I love that our, our this this podcast is for super old people, too, because I bet there's so many people um, <laughs> who are listening to podcasts who are like, Arthur? 10? Like, we're just talking, like, oh, yeah, no, of course, because everyone knows that, like, complete. These yeah, are very, yeah. just for anyone who's younger than me, these were very popular movies in, like, 1980. Yes. Yeah. And also, Arthur is, of course, the name of a popular children's book series and PBS cartoon. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. That's probably what people thought I meant. But Yes, I, I, no, that, I, that Arthur has never been on the rocks. <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or caught between the moon and New York City. That's probably true. Um, the title comes up as The Muffets Go to the Movies, mm-hmm. which I don't think it, it seems like really far into their career to be doing this joke about getting their well, name wrong, but it's well, but a funny it's a, visual gag when you see this giant, yeah. but it's title. a joke, but it's a joke about how Fozzie can't spell, which feels like a callback to the Harry Belafonte episode to me. I guess Le- so. Le- leggies and jungle fins. Well, Cone again, tie the muffle shocks. Right. <laughs> but that I, I means love that can, I love that. You could just pull that up. That's just, that's, <laughs> in your, that's in your back pocket at any moment. It is uh, actually my wife and I say that to each other a lot. Oh, that is beautiful. 
Okay, because I was going to say, has Fozzie been thinking all this time that he was on something called The Muffet, Muffet. Show? Yes. But I, I hope so. He's just bad at typing. <laughs> okay. yes. Well, and the but the big stone letters is, I think, a callback to the sex and violence pilot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did do that. That's, yeah, it looks yeah. almost the same. Right, I'm sure you're right, yeah. Not that anyone remembered that or had seen that yeah, at this no. point, but but the Muppet guys had seen it. Um, so we talked about the opening number, hey, a movie with the various clips. Um, I, I like that they... It's a lot of Muppets that we know, but then they threw in like some Frackles and Angus McGonagall is in there at some yeah. point. Always nice to see those guys. Along with the Keystone Cops. Yeah, oh, yeah those movie clips. Starting out, so that's I just to be like this. That's 1913. Just to point that out. <laughs> um, it's like the first, the first Great. bit of a movie that we see. Um, and yeah, it's a and it turns out that Hey a Movie is a weird song. Like taken completely out of context, like this. Yeah, it doesn't nearly have the same effect when you're not actually singing it to introduce a movie. Right. Yeah, and the and and so saying like a movie starring everybody but me, um, or I'm sorry, everybody and me is what yeah. they say. Like in in the movie, they kind of use that to like introduce Gonzo and to introduce like Nikki. Um, and here it's super random. Yeah, everyone's just already there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it kind of. Well, I was just going to say that, and also it's very strange how they're like in these boxes surrounding the screen that's playing old movie clips. Yes. Because yeah. it kind of feels like they're talking about the old movie clips too. Like, oh, right. Hey, yes. Hey, hey a movie is, is on TV. Yeah. Let's watch it, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think this number is kind of, you know, because this is like the final episode of The Muppet Show, um, this is them kind of saying goodbye to TV. And basically bragging that they're about to go and do something more exciting. Mm, they're movie stars yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I so. like that. Um, we talked a little bit about Kermit uh, doing his usual red carton, uh, red carton introduction. I, I did want to note that he's wearing a, a very spiffy white tuxedo, which does differentiate it from the Muppet Show. Yes, he really is. Um, the next thing is the Three Musketeers uh, spoof, which is introduced by Fozzie. Statler and Waldorf try to leave, but they can't because they, the Muppets have tied elastic ropes around them, which seems a little strange. Like, I, I don't know. Do they really want these guys to, to be forced to stay there so they can heckle them? I think so. <laughs> it's a good joke, though. Yeah, it is a good joke, and good I'm kind of surprised they never actually did it on The Muppet Show. And I always like that sound effect that, that comes up periodically on the show, that, that boing. It is now time for the first of tonight's film tributes. Too late, we're going. Aha, don't worry, folks. They'll be back. We tied elastic ropes around their ankles. So the year was 1796. Yeah. And three, and three men held the future of France by a single slender thread. Those three men, I believe, are the three of us. Yes, I'm Athos. I'm Paul. And I'm Kamo. And Athos. we are the Three Musketeers. Ta-da! Ta-da. <laughs> yeah. All for one and one for all. Absolutely. All for one and three for a quarter. Man, what a great joke. I love I love when Scooter says all for one and three for a quarter. I don't know why. It's so dumb. <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me laugh every time. I'm glad you stopped because there was a non-zero chance that the three of us were just going to go and do that from memory. <laughs> right, as much right. as we could have. Yeah. 
the three musketeers are played by G- uh, Gonzo, Scooter, and Link. Yes. And yes, uh, Link is playing Gummo. So there's our second <laughs> reference to Gummo. Um, uh, the costumes in the set in this sketch are really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great. Well, um, yeah, no, this whole sketch is, it's such a fun, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, it's just so delightful. Yeah. Well, there's really not much to it because after they introduce themselves, they, they discover this, I don't know, the kidnapper, whoever this villain is, and then he drops a clue. And then the rest of the sketch is just them doing this run of ridiculous, um, I don't know if you could, it would be generous to call it wordplay. It's a, it's a crumpet. It's a pumpernickel crumpet. It's a lumpy pumpernickel crumpet. I know what store it's from. It's a humperdinks, but lumpy pumpernickel crumpet. Well, that, do you, do you guys know the movie, The Court Jester, starring Danny Kaye? I do not. I've never actually seen it. Oh, you should both see The Court Jester. It, it is on hilarious. my Amazon Prime watch list right now. You, but. you should watch it. Well, um, the, the, all of that. Humperdinck's lumpy pumpernickel crumpet stuff feels so much like that movie. That's the one where he does like the the chalice the and the poison, palace. Yeah, the poison in the the pestle. Yeah, the it's vessel that. with the pestle holds the brew. Yeah. That is true, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and this feels so like, and we all know Danny Kaye is one of Jim Henson's favorite performers. Yeah, he was um, on the Muppet Show. So I don't think it's a coincidence that this swashbuckling ju- sketch is filled with wordplay, like that swashbuckling movie starring Danny Kaye. And that actually, that was a reference that I would have known when I was 10 years old. Like, the court jester was on, I had forgotten that it was called that, but the, the movie with the, um, the chalice and the palace, yeah, um, definitely, I knew that very well at the time. Sure. Uh, Three Musketeers, I did not hugely know. Um, I was sort of, like, vaguely aware that there was such a thing as swashbuckling, but, like, Three Musketeers was 1948. And, by the way, just to prove that I... I really kind of nerded out while watching this uh they say it's 1796 the three musketeers actually takes place in the 1620s but the scarlet pimpernel which is a different story does take place in 1792 so it's kind of this weird mix so the three musketeers don't appear in the scarlet pimpernel totally different stories yeah that's weird yeah Hmm. why did they do that well i think they just both feel like old-timey in france right like I think I think once history passes along enough, at, at some <laughs> point we'll just be like, here's an old west. Old. Yeah, at some point it'll just be like, this story is set in the old west. Now here comes our hero, Harry Potter. Or whatever, right. You know, yeah. Like. Yeah. That'll be yeah. 200 years from now. Right. And and seriously, I I only know the things I just said because Wikipedia exists, and I was yeah. watching this yesterday. Uh, but yeah, but it, I think like them putting those together, like basically it doesn't matter because the thing they want to do is just sword play because that's, it's mm-hmm. like, what's the thing, what's the thing that movies do that we haven't done on TV is kind of the question that, that they're asking through this whole special. And definitely like they've never done like sword play and swashbuckling and stuff. Not that they can do it that well in this crowded set. <laughs> but, like, no, they're just kind of, just kind of flinging their swords around. Yeah. Haphazardly. There's a couple times that folks uh, slide down the banister, and that actually is—it's a nice effect, and yes, and is actually some action. And then, but then it ends with, um, with the the chandelier swing. Yes, Link swings on a chandelier and smashes through the window, and then he ends up crashing backstage. Yes, and that's and that is a reference to the 1948 movie because Gene Kelly does that. 
Oh, he goes as, through a window. D'Artagnan. He he uh, swings on a chandelier. That was like a famous scene uh, from that movie. Okay, now well, there's another one I got to see. Yeah. Uh, and that you was seen that Gene Kelly, also Muppet Show guest. True, yeah. true. Uh, the next sketch is Dudley Moore and Lily Tomlin in a UFO movie, Invasion of the Unpleasant Things from Outer Space. Which has no UFOs in it. <laughs> right. Well, that's how Kermit introduces it. But yes, that is an excellent point. Um, there are no UFOs uh, or aliens. There are just uh, giant rats outside the window. Yes. Um, do the rats look like different puppets than the usual Muppet rats? Or is it just me or my... I think it's just that they're enorm- that they are enormous on screen. Yeah, I don't know. Something about when when the rat, uh, presumably Rizzo or whichever rat performed by Steve Whitmire, when he speaks and sort of looks at the camera at the end of the sketch, something about the way he moved seemed a little more expressive than the usual like trigger mechanism rat. Something in the way he moves. All right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. something in the way he moves attracts me like no other rat. I, I feel like this is, I'm going to be weird, but I feel like it's something about their ears. But now yeah, I'm going to have something. Look. There's something weird about their ears. Yeah, it looks it looks to me more like a hand puppet than the the trigger rat yeah. that they like the, that they use for the rats and Pepe and the yeah. doozers that kind of thing. Yeah, that would make sense. So the actual sketch, though, there's not much to it. Um, there are these giant rats outside. Dudley Moore plays a Japanese character, which you would not see today. Well, um, I mean, he doesn't even. See, he seems to be playing like a British or American character. Like they don't. He's wearing like a. Yeah, he's just he's British, just well, speaking, military uniform. He's just speaking mock Japanese in right, the way yeah. that like they speak mock Swedish. But like the jokes, the jokes are basically like this is actually a Godzilla movie. Is the joke that they're doing for sure? Yeah, it, yeah, that, pretty much. That Dudley Moore is is speaking Japanese and there's subtitles, and then Lily Tomlin is speaking to him in English with Japanese subtitles. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, well, it's it's like a funny idea. I don't. I don't know that it plays that well. I I think also there's just something weird about having two humans star in a a Muppet sketch. I hear you, sir. I brought your sushi burger, Colonel O'Malley. Rats? No, no. I ordered tuna, as you told me. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, we're doomed. Oh, we're doomed. Do something for Pizzaki. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. That, like, feels off. Mm. I don't know. This is actually the only time, I think, other than the very end, where Dudley Moore and Lily Tomlin are on screen together in this. So maybe they were just looking for some way to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Probably right. Um, Dudley was was probably kind of upset about Lily being special. Probably. (laughs) The special guesser, yes. Although I didn't... I did enjoy that when she says for Pete Saki, she repeats Pete Saki again quietly in Dudley Moore's ear, like to, <laughs> to emphasize how dumb that joke is. Um, I also like the gag where, so we've seen the subtitles popping up and then he suddenly expresses his love to her and he starts speaking really fast and the subtitles just zoom by way too fast for her to read. That's, that's a very decent gag. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all cute. Yeah. But it does then, feel weird. There's something that that is that feels off about it, and yeah. like well, well, and not and not Muppet Show, right? Yeah. It, I mean, it, 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 like we talked about other '70s variety shows. This feels like it could be a sketch on Sunny and Cher, or something. Yes, yeah, you know? 
Yeah, without the rats outside the window, and the rats could honestly be anything. Right. The rats um, could be hmm. Sonny Bono. It'd, it'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah. It would be funnier if it's Sonny, you think? Indeed. Yeah. But saying. what would he be a very special guest star? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after the sketch, uh, the Waldorf tells Statler that uh, in foreign movies, dubbing is worse than subtitles because the lip movements never match up with the words. And as he says this, his lip movements do not match up with the words. Now, was was that joke fresher in 1981? I, I feel like that's the th- that's the thing that like that. Disney Channel sitcoms do all the time. Like, yeah, no, I assume it was, and also I I like it also because it's a Muppet. Whereas you can do that gag without even having to dub yeah. Waldorf. It can, right. you know, yeah, yeah. Jim Henson is just flapping his lips randomly while delivering the line a little bit too late. Yeah. Yeah, I like that part. Uh, the next thing is uh, introduced by Janice. She tells us that The Wizard of Oz is her favorite flick, and she wants to move to Oz, oh, which yeah. is sort of like we're seeing new new sides of Janice here, I think. That is true. We see some, for some good Janice. Yeah, it's it's not. It doesn't seem surprising that she maybe possibly thinks Oz is a real place and wants <laughs> to move there. But yeah, I like this. I want to find out yeah. more about Janice's favorite movies. <laughs> um, and she's introducing a Wizard of Oz number. It starts out with Piggy as Dorothy singing "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" with Foo Foo as Toto. Um, we have Ralph coming in to tell her she's in black and white. Um, Fufu becomes a real dog briefly, briefly in this, which I always like when they do that, because it, it kind of keeps you guessing. Um, at a certain point, Ralph says, cue the color. Scooter shows up as the Scarecrow, followed by Gonzo as the Tin Man, Fozzie as the Cowardly Lion. They sing, if I only have had a brain, a heart, the the nerve. Uh, of course, many years after this, the Muppets No, made... Ryan, this is, the only, this is the only time. This is the, <laughs> the only, only time, time they riffed on the Wizard of, Oz. Wizard of Oz. Yes, yes. Okay, Anthony, you can cover your I will, ears I will for the buy next it. part. There's no Ready? reason. There's no reason to talk about that, Ryan. Everyone <laughs> knows. Everyone knows that no one wants to hear it. Like, Does everyone know? Everyone, everyone knows. If they everyone, don't, we shouldn't tell them. Everyone knows about the thing that didn't happen. Okay, but <laughs> but Anthony, is it, we can't. We is can't it moderately, it. mildly interesting? It is mildly interesting. Yes. In the TV movie uh, starring Ashanti as uh, Dorothy. They cast Kermit as the Scarecrow. It's mildly well. I mean, they weren't going to cast Ricky Boyd as Scooter as the Scarecrow. No, of course not. Of course not. But it's interesting that they kept one of those uh, castings, and they. Mm-hmm. they I mean that they 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 got rid of one of those castings, and they kept Gonzo as the Tin Man and Fozzie as the Cowardly Lion. Yes, Gonzo in this version does not talk about his tin nipples. However. Gonzo does not have visible nipples in this version. No. Yeah. Which is a shame. That's actually the only thing. That's the only uh, good joke in the in the. No, it's like that's the that's the only way in which in which this this scene could have been improved. I really think that this is one of like the perfect Muppet show numbers. Yeah, man, it's so um, good. Yeah, it. it's it's very charming, and it really doesn't have a lot of jokes in it. Once, as far as there's the cue, the color, but then mm-hmm. after that, there's not really anything happening that's funny. Although the the audience the the laugh track does laugh <laughs> just to see the Muppets come on in their costumes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mostly it's just kind of charming and fun to watch them do the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody knows these songs, right? And it's great. It's right. just, it's just fun. Like you say, it's yeah. And, and this, I think 
this is like of the what is now like three we're like three scenes in and this is the first scene i think that really like the three musketeers feels kind of weird and cramped the godzilla movie is just weird uh but this is like okay this is this is what the muppet show does is just like these adorable people yeah, yeah. you're right in a way it does feel like them kind of getting back to what we're more used to them doing yeah um didn't jim henson say at some point that the wizard of oz was his favorite movie or one of his favorite movies that just occurred to me i'm gonna i'm gonna say probably i feel like he did yeah so he was <laughs> he probably had fun doing this yes. uh the next movie spoof is the great dudley moore and a colossal widescreen roman epic uh dudley moore plays caesar he um gives a little speech with some bad jokes and then uh he plays the piano while New Zealand, Gonzo, and Beauregard have a chariot race. And the chariots are played by wagons, which is my favorite joke in that sketch. Like, they're, they're just in, in, like, wooden wagons. Yeah, well, and uh, New Zealand is being pulled by a shark, Gonzo is being pulled by a chicken, and Beauregard is being pulled by rats. So that's a, a nice touch. And I think Bo's, is, Bo's chariot is a, a trash can, if I recall. Yeah, I think it is. I think he's actually sitting in a trash can. Yeah. <laughs> There's a moment when they're when they're doing their their laps, and Lou shouts out to to Caesar, "We who are about to die salute you." And then Gonzo comes around and says, "I may not die, but I hope to be badly injured." It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I like that, and it's also sort of we we commented a lot when we were watching the Great Muppet Caper about how that was the height. Mm-hmm. That movie was the height of Gonzo as sort of this guy who Massive. really loves pain. Yeah. yeah. So this is sort of. Uh, in in character with that version of him, yeah, yeah, and I think Dudley Moore's very funny here. He's been, like, yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah, he's actually, just having should... so much fun. Yes, definitely. I should mention one of those jokes. He says, "Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears." And they say, "What'd you do with the ones we lent you last week?" He says, "I put them on my chariot." One of the Muppets says, "Why?" why? And he says, "Because they're chariot ears." Ears. It's great. It's great. And he. Yeah, he's his delivery is so like he he knows how terrible a joke it is, mm-hmm. but then uh, they all have a good laugh at it anyway. Loves it and it's funny. Uh, yes, and so so this is uh, Ben Hur, by the way, is the thing that they're doing. Well, oh right, yes, this um, is what they're riffing on. Yeah, it's called right. so it's the the sketch is called the Fool of the Roman Empire, but actually uh, it's Ben Hur that has like the famous chariot race scene. Um, right. And nineteen fifty nine, it is actually the most recent movie that they speak. <laughs> this is, this is the, the, the far end on the spectrum of, of what they're doing right now. Right. Although, wow. al- although we should note that there is a movie called fall of the Roman empire about Julius yes. Caesar, yes. which is newer, which is from 1964. Which is like the, t- but that's like the tail end of that. Like Ben Hur. Yeah. 10 commandments, yeah. big screen, you know, R- Roman biblical epic era. So it's like hmm. that, that and, and it was not a hit. Like Ben Hur was a massive hit. <laughs> right. And Fall of the Roman Empire was was a flop because nobody cared about that kind of movie anymore right. five years later. You know? So the thing that I love in this sketch so much is uh that it's basically just Dudley Moore playing the piano. Like the thing that happens is that they do those little jokes, they do like the charityers joke, and then um Basically, Dudley Moore just sits down and says, like, do you know why I'm called Great Caesars? Because I provide my own background music. And then he just plays the piano for like two minutes. Let the chariot race begin! 
about it is that he says, because I provide my own background music and then kind of goes, yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it's okay. And he's, and he's so much fun. So Dudley Moore was actually like before 10 and before Arthur, like one of the things that he was famous for, I guess actually they do that. They do this in the Muppet show when he's on the Muppet show uh, is that he's just like this comic piano player. Um, mm. Kind of like Victor Borga was um, like just watching him play or like Chico Marx. Uh, you know, just watching him play the piano is funny. And yeah, that's what right. this that's what this sketch is, is like he's just doing that and being hilarious. And then meanwhile, like the chariot race is sort of like spinning around him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's playing this this excellent jazz music, which of course has no connection to the the Roman Empire, but it's a lot of fun. And that is and that is Hollywood. That's what Hollywood's yes. all about. Um, I also like uh, Statler and Waldorf's joke after this one. Waldorf says, that wasn't much of a spectacle. And Statler says, it wasn't even a monocle. It's a Terrible. good joke. I like that one. <laughs> I like how I enjoy it too. It's just super dumb. Yes, exactly. That's why I like uh, it. Yes. Uh, backstage then, the rats are asking Kermit to let them do a big production number. And he oh. tells them they've already done that. No, it's so funny because Kermit's just like, get out of here, Rizzo. Miss Piggy already did a dance. We don't need right. to do a dance. <laughs> like, They've already done that in their new movie, The Great Muppet Caper. Miss Piggy does a production number, and he says it's called The First Time. Which it isn't. Um, no, it's called The First Time It Happens. And then and, we see, oh, but then, then Rizzo is like, I haven't seen it. And Kermit says, you will. And all the rats look toward the camera and say, we will? And then we see the clip. <laughs> up to us by letting us do our rat production number. Yeah, a big white set. Crystal chandeliers. Soikolar staircases. Glitter, glamour, and rats. Listen, we've, we've already done a number like that. What? Sure, sure. Listen, in our new movie, The Great Muppet Caper, Miss Piggy does a production number called The First Time. They haven't seen it. You will. We will. But then what's funny is when it comes out of the clip, Kermit is like watching intently from backstage, which, but like looking out towards the stage. Yes. They are very, though he's watching Miss Piggy dance. It's very odd. They are confused in this special about whether on stage is a stage or on stage is a screen. This is going to come up again. Yeah. Because sometimes they refer to there being screens. Mm-hmm. Where these movie spoofs are being, I guess, presumably projected, but then other times we see the characters from the movie spoofs actually coming off the yes. stage to the backstage area. So it's it's very inconsistent. This is this is uh, the reality starting to break down as uh, in this in this this is the thing that happens in this special. After a while, is is that it? Uh, there are these cracks between like. The Muppet Show as we know it, and then this new thing that they're about to do, and so it starts to like break the rules of what happens on the show. And this is one of those moments where like Kermit says, "Hey, yeah, this is by the way, we're not making TV shows anymore. Like we're making a movie, and you're gonna see it." And then like a film clip comes up, which is just not a thing that would ever happen on the Muppet Show. Right. It's weird to me too when they when they show that uh, excerpt from the first time it happens, they cut to i think do they even cut back and forth they show like the the crowd in the movie kind of cheering and applauding mm-hmm. and then they cut to the muppet theater audience cheering and applauding and then i think maybe and, they and cut then they back cut to, back the to piggy yes. they do 
Yeah. So yeah, it's it's weird. What exactly is the Muppet Theater audience seeing? Right. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time that they actually mention the Great Muppet Caper. Fifteen minutes into the show, huh. uh, yeah. it it yeah. turns out that oh hey by the way, uh, this is supposed to be promoting a movie that we haven't said a word about right until just right. now. Oh by the way, or you might even say oh hey a movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you might. Um, yeah, so Kermit is watching from backstage, and that's when Lily Tomlin comes up to him, and uh, she wants to tell him that she thinks he's very attractive, and he is trying to tell her, before he gets interrupted by Piggy, he's trying to tell her that it's a mutual admiration society. Um, it's interesting that they wrote this for Lily Tomlin, I guess. Yes. I mean, t- now we know Lily Tomlin is married to her wife of... Of, you know her, her romantic partner of many years. Um, my impression is that it was kind of maybe known, that was not, or was no, it? I mean, not 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 for the public. It was not known. Were there? Okay, I guess I thought there were rumors at least about. I mean, her, she, uh, she not talks about Jane. She she talked to, like on one of her albums in like the early seventies. She just talks mm-hmm. about like my girlfriend Jane. And I guess, like, at the time, it was probably, like, people just, women just called each other girlfriends or whatever. Yeah. I mean, so it didn't register. Right, right. But I mean, like, she, she'd, like, talk, she'd, like, talks about her as though she's her partner in her stand-up act. But I think, like, the audience just didn't know what it meant at the time, you know? Yeah, I guess that's the kind of thing I was thinking. But I don't know. And there's a little, isn't there some kind of wink to that, too, when she um, does that number with Scred? on Saturday Night Live. Probably. Something about, like, she's not sure a woman in her position should be seen oh, with somebody with like him. Yes. I don't oh, know. Sure. I'm, yeah, I, I probably should have done more research before I, I, <laughs> I brought this up. But, okay, so I guess the, the Muppet writers would not necessarily have, have thought that... Oh, they probably did. I'm sure they did. But, yeah, like, that, but, and they, I mean, just because they're working with her, but, like, but the the audience at home knew i think at this point like what was she famous for at this point it was like nine to five i guess she had been on laughing and yeah nine yeah. to five and the incredible shrinking woman which might yep. have been after this that might have been the 80s oh i don't know uh, it's like 70 79 i want to say it's like 78 79 something like that yeah that was i i just remember like i had definitely seen that movie and that and that would be very fresh to me Sure, uh, and I think that was. I think that it's eighty one. It's actually the same year, oh, right? And that's yeah. I think Lily Tomlin and Charles Grodin, right? Yeah. So there you go. Great Muppet Caper link. There's. A, I'm sorry. There's a point where I'm just nerding out, and there's no reason. <laughs> right, right. It's not well. Not not interesting. I'm just pointing things out. Oh, absolutely. That's what we do. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Lily Tomlin then uh, introduces the horror movie sketch. She starts to uh, go into this thing about how how cheap and uh, unrealistic horror movies are, and then she gets mobbed by Muppet Monsters, which is fun. That feels so much like the Vincent Price episode of the Muppet Show. To me. Yeah, like, they yeah, they just kind of crowd around her, and then she just kind of disappears. So they, I don't know what they did to her. I don't know why, but they've asked me to come out and introduce the Muppets' tribute to horror movies. I mean, me of all people, it's almost ridiculous because, well, I've always, quite frankly, I've hated those tacky horror movies. I mean, I think you're almost laughing. There's cheap lighting effects. And those uh, unbelievable monsters. I mean, some of the things that, that, I, uh, that I've seen created for, uh, for their 
uh, they're really they're almost. Actually a little bit it's actually a little bit scary like i actually think it it's, is it's a scary scene because they do like if they fade out i notice it sort of like fades to silence as it goes into the nephew of frankenstein uh title and you just hear these like kind of echoey like whoops and screams from the monsters yeah um they actually play it kind of eerie and they chose some really scary monsters too like the the devil muppet yeah. is in there so yeah. Uh, nephew of Frankenstein, um, Fozzie is visiting his uncle, uh, who's played by Dr. Strangepork. Oh, man. Um, I, I, I want to see a whole movie of Dr. Strangepork as Frankenstein. <laughs> like, I wish they had made a Strangepork as Frankenstein movie instead of Muppet Treasure Island. That would have been really Yeah, good. you know, that kind of gets into the thing where they, like, the, the Muppet writers sort of forgot about Jerry Nelson's characters in the 90s. Mm. But... Um, yeah, why didn't they? Why didn't they cast Strange Pork in some role in Treasure Island or mm-hmm. or Christmas Carol? Yeah, um, why didn't why why didn't they write a good script or jokes in Muppet Treasure Island? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a couple of years. Dang, all right then. Um, he has uh, a, a Strange Pork or Frankenstein has Mulch this this Muppet monster. Who, although I guess he doesn't get his name Mulch for a few more years. No, they Muppets tonight. No, they call him Mulch on the Muppet Show. Oh, did they when he did the? With Judy uh, Harry? What's his his number? It's it's for me and my Goyle. <laughs> yeah. And they call him I, Mulch? No. Yeah, no, it it might be it might be in the Debbie Harry one with one way or another. But I know like right. when I was watching M- Muppet Show season five, like he is referred to oh, on Mulch. screen as Mulch, and I was like, yeah. Whoa man, what? Okay. So Mulch is this sort of hulking Frankenstein monster looking uh, Muppet. Yes. Uh so Strange Pork then straps Fozzie into this chair with a metal cap that, of course, is slightly reminiscent of the Mel Brooks yeah. scene in the Muppet movie, which we all talked about on the podcast. And can I point out at this moment that uh, the Mad Science Lab is in the front hall of this castle? <laughs> like as soon as he Fozzie, lets him in the door. Yeah, Fozzie walks, he walks in the door and Fozzie takes a step in and he's like, oh, hey, I'm in a mad science lab. <laughs> right That's inside true. the front door. This, yeah. part, this, is yeah. a, this is a Frankenstein that is not fooling around. Well, and I also love that Fozzie just walks up to the monster and starts screaming hello. Yes. And <laughs> like, just gets right to business. And like also thinks he's like, oh, you have a roommate. Hello. Oh, look, you have a roommate. Aha. Hello. Hello. It's just somebody I'm working on. Uh, I mean, working with. Uh, but come, nephew. Uh, this is one of my favorite Frankenstein movies, and I, I've seen a lot. Nephew Frankenstein. Nephew of Frankenstein. Yeah, I love it. It's great. It's yeah, better well, it's... than like Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's short. That's for sure. It's true. It's 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 actually not much shorter than Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, but it's like seventy-two minutes. Strange Fork says to Fozzie, you said in your letter that you were the funniest bear in the world. And Fozzie says, did I remember to tell you that? Which is I super just, cute. It's yeah. the perfect delivery. Yeah. yeah. I love that one. Um, and so it turns out that Frankenstein is going to perform the world's first joke transplant. So he, he flips the switch and Fozzie <laughs> is like being electrocuted, but also manages to deliver the setup of the joke. Which is, what do you get when you pour boiling water down a rabbit hole? And then the monster wakes up and gives the punchline hot cross bunnies. 
So they, he hasn't, like, it's not a brain transplant. He hasn't switched their brains, like, on that one episode of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, where Mario that's, gets his brain swapped. That's your go-to. Swap. Go like, <laughs> right. I would have said Gilligan's Island. That's, that's the I, difference between me and Ryan. You would have said what? Gilligan's Island. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, that's my one. Was that a Frankenstein it, monster? Uh, yeah, people get, like, switched around. I don't know if you saw Gilligan's Island. Uh, it's actually probably the one good episode of Gilligan's Island where like every character gets switched into a different body. Oh, that's fun. And so, yeah, it's like, it's like the skipper walking around in Ginger's body. There's a lot of, it's funny. That's, okay, is, but, do they, do they like say that it was all a dream or is that really happening? No, really happens in Gilligan's Island. They get, I, yeah. don't, I don't remember the whole setup, but like they, they get rescued, but they end up going to this weird castle and they're performing mad science experiments on them. I know what I, I thought. You guys want to know what I thought of when uh, they switched brains in this? What? When they didn't switch brains? Ghost of Frankenstein. Is that what they're actually riffing on? <laughs> yes. Okay. And also Young Frankenstein. Like it happens at the end yeah. of Young Frankenstein too. Uh, you know? yeah. So Ghost yeah. of Frankenstein. Many... So just like another time check. Like Ghost of Frankenstein is like 1940 something. Yeah, it's 42. <laughs> yeah. So we're still we're still in the 40s. How many movies then, into the franchise was Ghost of Frankenstein? That's the fourth one. It's it's Frankenstein, Bride, Son, Ghost. Yeah, okay, I haven't seen that one. I've seen those it's, first three. It's not very good, but I'll lend you the DVD if you want. Was there a movie called Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein? Yes. Yes, yep. and it's yeah, great. Okay. It's, it's uh, a yeah, I've, I've seen that one. Yeah, that's, yeah. When, that's when they start getting good again. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. They got teamed up with Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Uh, they blow a hole in the movie screen and all this chaos. So this and, is which, this is now like a big, huge meta moment of like, is this like this is the thing we were just talking about of like, is this on stage or is this on a screen? Where they are now saying specifically, yes, this is on the screen, and we just somehow from within the movie itself, and an explosion on the screen actually blew a hole in the screen, and Kermit pokes his head through it. Well, right, and also and he, time and time and space have become one. Yes, because exactly. the fire department yep. uh, can't do anything about the fire because they're back in the 19th century and the hose won't reach. So Fozzie and Strange oh, Park have actually been transported back to the 19th century to do this sketch. Mm-hmm. It's a very it's weird true. special. Is what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And it, it is about actually to get weirder. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because the next thing is a silent movie with musical accompaniment by Ralph. Um, they have to bring on a, a, a tacky old screen to replace the other screen. Uh, it's called, I think he says The Sheik in Eastern Promise. Yes. Yes. Um, and this is now uh, it's based on The Sheik, 1921. Right. So this, if you don't count like the Keystone Cops and Gummo Marks, and it's just like the things that you know, the actual like spoofs that they're doing. This is the earliest one. This, this, they run the gamut from the chic to Ben Hur. Yeah. Well, the fact that this is a silent. Yeah. Um, and so it's really like just this moment of, you know, they did, they did Wizard of Oz and they did, they did, uh, you know, Frankenstein. So they did all the three musketeers. Yeah. Stuff that like kids would know. And then like, and then they're like, well, so you know what we're going to do now? We're just going to go all the way back. This is not going to be funny for you if you were not around in 1921. Yeah, I mean, there were grown-ups for sure who would who would have remembered seeing these movies at this time, but seventy-year-olds, they... yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. So they probably right, weren't right. even showing these silent movies on TV at this oh, point. No way. Yeah. No. no although, mm. although I think my my understanding again, this is something that only movie nerds cared about. 
but I, the 70s were like the real like revival house silent movie screenings kind right? right like that's when like charlie chaplin wrote a new score for a woman of true. paris to like debut in 1976 or whatever you, you know like yeah because people were watching them. so i think it i think more people got it now in 81 than would have 20 years earlier or something right hmm. yeah where, that's interesting where, where, like where, where like Harold Lloyd had to like save a copy of his movies because they were all being destroyed, <laughs> you know, in, in, right. in, you know, I guess that's 40 years. It's like in the forties or whatever. Right. Yeah. There was a time when they were just seen as like old and outdated. And then by now people had realized that they were actually classics. Although uh, mostly, so Kermit, mostly honestly, people were watching like star Wars and close encounters and ET. Well, yes, most people, but I guess the people, yeah. people the, the kind of people who care about yes. cinema. Yes, they were, they would, they were, those people were very, very excited about this, about this Muppet show. <laughs> oh, I bet. That yeah. is, that's the, that's, those were the fish that this scene was trying to catch. Yeah. Speaking as one of them. Uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really good. Like, I, I, I literally watched Hell's Hinges from 1916 this morning. So. Oh, wow. Well, Kermit right. plays this this weird off Valentino. Wait, 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 wait. I know that this, <laughs> I know that this that this episode is going to run crazy, crazy long, and no one's it's fine anymore. I just need to know why you were watching. 19th Have you met Anthony? Why did I watch Hell's Hinges? Well, I made you know a, Anthony. I made a decision at the start. I made a decision at the start of this year to watch at least one silent movie every month <laughs> for the duration of this year. Um, and actually, a, a Woman of Paris w- was one of those. Also, I hadn't seen that yet. Um, oh, it's, which it's not great. I didn't love it, to be honest. Um, I love but, you so much. So you know why what? Did I, why did I watch Hell's Hinges specifically? I had never seen a movie from 1916, and I didn't like having that gap in my database of every movie I've ever seen. <laughs> that is beautiful. You know what? That your your little son, your cute little son, yes. when he when he is ten. He is going to get every joke in this entire special. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> He's going to be like, "Oh yeah, no." The seven seals. Well, this is That's awesome. this is where I I point out, and this probably will not make it into the final podcast. But um, Anthony and Joe and I did a a phone conference call while we all watched the silent movie Wings from what is that, nineteen twenty seven? Twenty seven, yeah. And Anthony's daughter Iris stayed like she hung out for the entire movie, nice. like actually engrossed in this. Yeah, she two was, and a half hour. She was like pretty into it, and she was and epic. she was four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was really into Clara Bow, though. I mean, it's like a it's like a woman who wears like you know short skirts who's like dancing around. Iris loved it. She was like, "This is great. I want to be like her." She wants to be an it girl. You know, I don't. Exactly. I don't see any reason why you need to cut this bit out of the show at all. <laughs> all right, <I'll, laughs> we're just going to yeah, roll anybody who's here right now they know they know they know where they are they know I think what's so. happening right now <laughs> right. So. and hey if, if they have any thoughts on Hell's Hinges or Wings we want to hear about it they are either with us or they are Absolutely. long gone by this time. tell us about your favorite silent movies comment on Facebook or send <laughs> us an email at moving right along at, uh, at uh, toughpicks.com anyone who's Tough listening right now, we, love you. we love you so much you are you. we don't have many best friends but you are our best friend <laughs> If you are well, still now, I have to leave it in. Yeah, there you go. Okay, 
Uh, Kermit is playing this uh, Rudolph Valentino type uh, silent hero. He has a, a, a cute little mustache. Um, he he meets this woman whose face is covered. Uh, she's kind of bopping around. He asks why she seems so happy, and she uncovers her face to reveal that she is actually mulch. And he says out loud, "Hot cross bunnies! I just got it." And as Ralph tells us, and so <laughs> the tacos so were born. <laughs> I can't believe it, it we're still in real. and out so quickly and concisely. I love it. Unlike us, I can't believe we're still doing the chic. How has this happened? <laughs> How has this happened? This no. um, but yeah, no, because it's it's uh, it's amazing because this is this point where now like the movies are starting to cross over with each other and kind of merge together. You know, we've been seeing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there is like a things, like you're saying it. Reality is starting to to break down. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. This is a very meta special. Yeah, that's a good observation. There you go. That's uh, well, the next thing is uh, Sam trying to introduce a film by Ingmar Bergman, but uh, Floyd shows up to tell him that they don't have the Ingmar Bergman film. They just have a film by his brother, Gummo. Gummo. Third Gummo <laughs> reference. Yes. Third Gummo reference so, so um, far. I, and it's we're now like, what, half an hour, 40 minutes into I, I laughed out loud when, when Floyd funny. hands Sam the script and Sam says, thank you very much. Go away. <laughs> and then uh, Sam translates the, the Swedish film that we see, which is called yes. Silent Strawberries. Yes. Um, ostensibly a spoof of Silent Spring. Uh, no. And, and wild, wild Strawberries. Oh, Wild Strawberries. Yeah. And, um, but, actually, but actually the scene is a spoof of the Seventh Seal. Yes, yes. Uh, and so this is another. So actually, like a crazy thing is, uh, the Seven Seal and Wild Strawberries both came out in 1957. And so, like Ben Hur is 1959. This is the second most recent movie that they do, <laughs> and it's in black and white. And it's in black and white, and it's yeah. this. Yeah, um, yeah. And honestly, like if I don't know if there are folks who are who are. I I'm I don't even know why I'm saying this sentence, but like if there are people who are listening to this podcast who haven't seen the special, um, like this, go and watch this scene. Yeah, this um, I so have watched good. this this sketch with a room full of people. Yeah, and the so it stars the Swedish chef who encounters the angel of death, and spoilers, but the angel of death. Uh, turns to the camera and is revealed to be Beaker, which gets a huge laugh from people. It's really funny. When you watch this in a well, and, yeah. and even like I, I watched this with my wife Raza last night, who'd seen it once before, many years ago. And she did not remember who the Angel of Death was. Yeah. Hmm. And she we, we both laughed out loud, of course, when when it was just we saw Beaker. But she told me that she was expecting it to be Gonzo. So like yeah. even hmm. from like a Muppet fan perspective, it's like it's it's not the surprise that she specific yeah. character that she thought it was going to be, you know. Yeah, I like that. And as weird as it is, so it's like it's Beaker, but he's got this black hood on, these huge like white kind of uh, angel wings, but like stylized angel wings in a sight, and it's in black and white and on a little screen, and it is actually legitimately haunting. It is spooky. Yeah. Yeah. It's super weird. And then and then the next line is like Swedish Chef says, I am not ready to die. Yeah. Just again, I just want to say ABC TV. 
right. right. <laughs> a funny puppet do? show. Funny puppet show. It's going to be like black and white Swedish 1957 spoof with Beaker <laughs> as the angel of death. Prime time right. television. And which, and because... <laughs> There's like nothing then, about like... that that would ever be on television now. Sadly. That's, for like any absolutely reason. Absolutely true, yeah. yeah. Well, if, I mean, if this was on ABC now, it would just be Kermit singing the Rainbow Connection. Yes, and then so, yeah. you're so right. For the five thousandth time. Oh, and by the way, just so you yeah. know, like the the Seventh Seal is actually it's a it's a movie about the Black Plague. Yeah, right. that I have I have seen that movie. It's been a long time. I probably just I don't know. put that out there. It ends with the dance macabre where like yeah death and the people that have been killed during the movie sort of dance away across the mountaintop. It is a weird thing for the Muppets to be doing. And, <laughs> well, I should probably watch uh, that again. And that's people are now going to be inspired to go watch the special and then go watch the deal. Uh, but then, but then this movie, like then the spoof really morphs into something new. Yeah. It becomes the typical of the special, the, the typical just descending into pure chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, when the chef says, I'm not ready to die. Beaker says, if you do not wish death, how about a rubber chicken? And then just like, so good. They, yeah, yeah, then the chef says something about like, he's gonna, I don't know, he's gonna go off and join an entertaining, like an entertainment troupe. And then Kermit comes in and says, hi-ho, Olaf the Frog here with another great show for you. I actually, Fozzie. I actually have the, I wrote this line down because it's a good thing. He says, uh, do you want a rubber chicken? So she says, swell. And this is Sam, Sam translating. He, yeah, this, he's reading very, all of these lines. In his very right. serious voice. Swell, I'll work up an act and join a traveling show. Here comes one now. Right, and then yeah, and then it's Olaf the Frog, right? And Sam on. is sort of getting increasingly so um, yeah. um, nonplussed by what he's reading. So uh, this, and well, the way is, Sam, the way Sam says, uh, "If you do not wish death, how about a rubber chicken?" Is yeah, like that's that's like all time Hall of Fame Frank Oz line delivery. Yes, yes. yeah, so, perfect deadpan. All of these lines are like perfect deadpan, Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I am not ready to die. Oh, well, if you do not wish death, how about a rubber chicken? Swell, I'll work up an act and join a traveling show. Here comes one now. Hey ho, Olaf the Frog here with another great show for you. This is not right. Uh, well, then, because in the, in just a, a second here, Fozzie comes in and tells a joke, and then yes. he says, "Dushka, dushka, dushka," and Sam looks down at the script, and then, like completely disgusted, he looks up and says, "Waka, waka, waka," <laughs> which is phenomenal. Which is fantastic. And then they all sing Hooray for Hollywood in fake Swedish. Uh, so this, I th- like, something that is amazing about this, I think, is that this is basically Monty Python humor. Like, that's the kind of comedy that this is. Yeah. Is, like, very serious intellectual starting point, and then it gets crazy. And, like, line deliveries are really kind of funny and droll and just kind of erupts into a song. It's This is a Monty Python thing. Um, yeah, you're right. And like two scenes ago, it was Frankenstein and Hot Cross Bunnies. Like it's right. a really different kind of comedy. Yeah. 
That's true. Hmm. Yeah, I assume this is the kind of thing where individual writers probably wrote these sketches separately. So I would be curious to see a breakdown of like, what did Jerry Jewell write? What did Chris Langham write? What did uh, the, you know? What did Gummo write? Yeah. yeah. What did Jim Henson write? I think those are actually the only credited writers. That, that's right. But that's correct. And they, well, they are just doing like whatever. It's again, I gotta go to ABC. Like they're doing whatever they want. Um, and yeah. even if it doesn't make sense, and it's super weird, and the tone is all over the place, um, this is the this is what the Muppets want to be doing right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm so glad they got to do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This this might be my favorite thing in the whole special. This the silent strawberries. Yeah. Uh, but the next one is also really good. It's a tribute to Casablanca. It's very short. Kermit and Piggy are standing next to a plane, like at the climax of Casablanca. Kermit uh, gives the speech uh, about the two of us don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world, whatever all that is. As And the the plane's propeller is just blowing and the wind is blowing. And eventually Piggy it blows blowing. Piggy away. Kermit shouts, here's looking for you, kid. <laughs> and that's it. That's all well, you need. But it's really funny specifically because of, especially Frank Oz, um, how Piggy struggles against the wind. Yeah. Like, the way that she is moving is so fun. Yes. Like, yeah. He, I feel like, I mean, here's looking at, here's looking for new kid is funny. It's, it's funny to imagine Jim Henson, like practicing where he <laughs> needs to get louder in this speech. Right. Yes. Well, and also but like, it's, but it's, I it's Frank, it's Piggy that really, really. Yeah. Sells. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't actually check this, but I believe that Kermit is just like saying it's an exact quote from the dialogue. Um, uh, it I don't, yeah, I didn't check sure. either. Yeah, but it's like it's not. Is. Yeah, it's not. He's not doing a joke. That part isn't a spoof. Like that. Like Kermit doing that. He's just like has to do it louder and louder and louder. Um, I love that about this about this sketch. Yeah, yeah. The speech doesn't Great. need to be funny. It's yeah. just the 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 visual the that's that, happening. The fact that he is doing this very serious, well known, like fantastic dialogue. Um, yeah, yeah. While this farce is going on. Right, and it's uh, from uh, from 1942. So again, <laughs> real uh, topical and on target. Although I would say probably that's it. Casablanca is is probably kind of in this at the same level as The Wizard of Oz, as far as people being yes, familiar yeah, with it, so. even by 1981. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's not. I mean, it's not. It's it's not the chic kind of popular, but yeah. No, it's, exactly. It's, it's pretty popular. Yes. <laughs> uh, the the next thing kind of feels like a UK spot from the Muppet Show to me. It's oh, Floyd exactly and Janice. Exactly what I wrote down. I, I, yeah, I wrote Floyd and Janice. Well. Yeah, they're backstage and they're just singing "Act Naturally," a song about a guy who wants to be a movie star. Yeah, yeah. Which it, was previously sung on the show by Gonzo. It doesn't quite fit with the premise. Like, it's good. It's fun. I love it. <laughs> love to hear Jerry Nelson and Richard Hunt sing together anytime. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, but it's, I mean, it's song not a like... movie tribute. Well, no. The song is the song is. We hope we're gonna you're gonna see us in the movies. Right, right. No, yeah. I mean it. It kind of fits the theme, but I mean, like everything yeah. else. Is yeah, it is. It is not a movie sketch parody uh, movie. Yeah. Also, they're just performing backstage, straight to camera. They clearly like this is the thing. This is sort of. It feels to me like they're having a hard time telling whether this is the Muppet Show or not. Like it's right. yeah. It, it's in the backstage of the Muppet Show. Uh, but it's got like a ring of lights or like a frame around the around the scene, and they're very much 
like performing it as if the audience is just looking at us right now performing this. Right. Which, although there, I mean, the, the Muppet Show audience does can, react can to things that are happening stage. backstage all yeah. the time. But but usually not like they in on the Muppet Show, like if they're doing a number backstage, they kind of just fall into it. Like there's something circumstantial that's happening in a scene. Right. It's, in, it's part of the story. Yeah. And that turns into, into that turns into a number. And this is just straight up. Yeah, we are doing we are doing a number and we are this is the place where we are doing it. Yeah. With right. that weird animated frame around it. Yeah. Um, this is also a good one, though, for uh, Floyd and Janice shippers, because yeah. it ends with, with Floyd giving Janice a little kiss, and then Janice kind of nuzzles up against him. Yeah, true. <clears throat> Who among us is not a Floyd and Janice shipper? For real. Uh, Dudley Moore introduces the next sketch by saying that his favorite films are French pictures that transcend entertainment, and that's why he asked them up. It's not to do a sketch about those, and instead they're doing a Western. Um, there's not a, a lot to this one. tribute to the Western. Yes, a tasteless well, tribute to westerns. Um, there's there's not a lot to it, but also like it's weird. It's just stars a bunch of whatnots. Like it's just it's not yeah. any of yeah, our. Yeah, this is the first one that hasn't had characters. the main for the Muppets. most part. Oh, yeah. And talking about whether or not this special thinks it's the Muppet Show, that happens on the Muppet Show all the time. This is the only time in a TV special, yeah, where something where like you know, there's there's no scenes in Muppet Family Christmas or Muppets at Walt Disney World. Where it's like, <laughs> right. here's the you know some some random puppets we had laying around singing a country song or whatever yeah. you know, like that's yeah, that's, that's the point. Muppet Show. That's not special. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I don't know. and this one does very much feel like, I guess, like the Wizard of Oz. Like this is a very like Muppet Show feeling sketch. Yeah, um, for sure. With a with a really great ending. Well, yeah. So it's right. these lawmen yeah. and and bad guys who are engaged in a chase on horseback. The bad guys are riding cows, which is. <laughs> which is funny. Um, And then they start singing uh, Ragtime Cowboy Joe, which, by the way, was later performed by Kermit and Fozzie and Billy Crystal in Muppets Tonight. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Of course. And uh, then, yeah, it it ends with them realizing that they've been doing it wrong because actually the bad guys are chasing the good guys. Kind of. And then that's kind of it. Yeah. Oh, except my favorite part is at the very end, when uh, just randomly, right at the end, New Zealand rose into yes, the frame in a yeah. boat. Yeah, and it goes yeah, completely I, without comment. Like, but <laughs> so all funny. the characters are like laughing, and they're so pleased at what they've just done. And then, oh, there's New Zealand. Right. It really it feels like at this point, like the barriers are just breaking down yeah. on the show between yeah. like reality and pure imagination fantasy. Uh, yeah, and it's not like. We saw this boat is not what New Zealand rode in his chariot races, uh, and was it? No, this is they're now so. just they're just doing whatever they want to do at this point. <laughs> yeah. He's just in yeah. a boat. Um, and then I uh, once again I like the Statler Waldorf gag. Yeah, Statler says, "Say Waldorf for some of those horses cows," and Waldorf says, "No, I don't think so." Except that Waldorf is a cow. Is a cow. <laughs> which i think like again like it's just they have now entered like the uncanny yeah. there's no reason at this point for that to be the case and it just is maybe this is why there was no muppet show after this they just <laughs> became completely untethered yeah, from reality unhinged now yeah they it's <laughs> they know it's their last it's their last day in this theater yeah um, the next thing is Lily Tomlin in Tarzan and Jane, which there's really not much to this one. Uh, Gonzo swings in on a vine in the jungle. Uh, Lily Tomlin's playing Jane. 
and Lily, Lily Tomlin kind of yanks on the vine like it's some kind of pull chain, and yeah. he just Spring flies up and away, and yeah. that's it. Can we talk about the fact that Lily is wearing shoes? <laughs> oh, is she's, she? wearing, she's wearing gold high heels in the jungle. Yes, it's great. I, I didn't notice that. that. That's amazing. That's cool. My, I, my... I, I have to, I have to credit my wife Roz for noticing that because I did. Well done. But once she pointed it out, I laughed. So that's fantastic. Um, the only comment I have is 1932. Tarzan and Jane. Tarzan, Tarzan the Ape Man. That's, yeah, we are still so far in the past. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Although those, I feel like uh, again, those are movies that were probably rerun on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's and there's a million of them. I mean, yeah, they made like. Like fifteen or something crazy yep. Tarzan movies in the thirties and forties. Yeah. Uh, next, we get to see a clip of Beauregard's stunt driving scene from the movie. And this from the is, movie. I'm I like I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in some way. So this is super weird. Um, because which is like the only thing I'm saying about any of this. Uh, because <laughs> this is now the second time out of three that they acknowledge that this is actually promoting their movie. And in this one, like the setup is just Kermit and Beauregard talking and they don't say the words Great Muppet Caper. Right. Um, Kermit says, next up is your tribute to the Hollywood stuntman. And Beauregard says, oh, you mean that part of the movie where I did that real car driving? Yeah. That part of the, the, they just say the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. If they did this now, it would be, you mean that part of the Great Muppet Caper in theaters, June 26th? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great Muppet Caper. I think it's uh, it's super low in the mix here. Like they're just yeah. not they are not selling it that hard. No, they're just having fun. Yeah, uh, I think this is a good choice for a clip though because mm. it's very it's a lot of action and it's the kind of thing that they could not do on yeah. television. Yeah, so that's a good one. Um, the next thing is the song "Heat Wave" performed by Miss Piggy and a bunch of penguins. Um, it's it's a very Muppet show to have penguins do a song about a heat wave. Yep. There's a lot of penguins in this, and I was looking, I'm sure you noticed this too, the back row yeah. of penguins is, are just kind of swaying back and forth in unison, and they're obviously not being controlled by individual puppeteers. They're they're probably all like on a rod. <clears throat> sort of yeah, attached to one rod that maybe one puppeteer is yeah. just swinging back and forth. But it all looks good. That. Uh this is a reference to Marilyn Monroe doing this song uh, in the movie There's No Business Like Show Business, which 1954, pretty recent mm. for this special. Uh, yeah. And this right. is- although, although we should note also, we should note also that in the movie, Marilyn Monroe's character steals this song from a character played by Muppet Show guest star, Ethel Merman. Oh, there you go. Oh, that explains... Yeah, I looked up briefly on the Wikipedia article for this song, because I wasn't sure... I, I I thought there might be something interesting to the history of it. There wasn't anything that interesting, but it does predate that movie and that performance by yes. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. But the the Wikipedia article said something about the song, like Marilyn Monroe stole the song from Ethel Merman for this movie, and I was you know, like, no. oh, in, that's that's a the, that's not the, a neutral point of view for know, Wikipedia. But in the movie, that happens. Right within the context of the the yeah. movie's fictional. Yes. Narrative. I need okay. to I need to edit that page a little bit. Make it yeah. clear. Um. So something that's that I like about this is is it gives Piggy like another big number. Like she had kind of the first, uh, not the first number, but like the first like really big uh, thing with the Wizard of Oz. Um, yeah. But this one, like just considering that she's 
the star of the great Muppet caper. And so much of the great Muppet caper is focused on like how fantastic she is. I really like that in this, the opening verse, which is sung by the penguins is all about like how great she is. And it's this really wonderful, like setup of like, now we're going to sing about how amazing Miss Piggy is. And then there's the reveal. She kind of like turns around. And this is like a moment where they are very excited about Miss Piggy. Well, and it's also about how hot she is. Yeah. It has the line, gee, her anatomy made the mercury jump to 93. Yes. So very flattering for Miss Piggy. And this is a very, like, if you look at the, if you watch that Marilyn Monroe performance, uh, it's very sexual. Like, she's basically Mm. in a bikini and a lot of, with, like, she's in a bikini with, like, this big ruffled skirt that she can open and close. Um, Mm. And so she's, like, constantly sort of flashing uh, her legs and then kind of closing it up again. Uh, no, no child will have seen this for sure. I, I <laughs> right. certainly have. Yeah, that's a lot for 1954. I, I hadn't in 1981. I had never seen this. Uh, and again, this is this is for the grownups. Yeah. Um, after the number, I always like the the just the little brief interactions with Kermit. Yeah. Um, between Kermit and the the performers at the end of a mm. number. Kermit says, nice going penguins. And the penguins are just going, whack, 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 whack. And he goes, yeah, whack, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love that stuff. Uh, next, Piggy insists that they show a clip of Kermit's big number, his his big Fred Astaire tribute. Uh, and we see a clip of Stepping Out with a Star. And they they do say this time, they say Great Muppet Caper. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah. yeah should have should have written that down. Oh, no, I'm on, I'm on that. <laughs> yeah, good. You're very vigilant. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, stepping out with the star, another good choice. That's a a good song. Absolutely. And then the next thing is "Goon with the Wind." Uh, Dudley Moore plays Rhett. Miss Piggy is Scarlett O'Hara in, on a in a spoof of "Gone with the Wind." That was 1939. Yes, it was. I was so. <laughs> that's cool. That you you knew that you were that you were uh, sniping me on that one. I appreciate. It. <laughs> well, that's just one that I <laughs> had. You had that one year. It came out. Yeah. Yeah, there's some stuff where like Dudley Moore is struggling to hold Miss Piggy up because she's so heavy. That's not so funny. Um, but Miss Piggy is doing this hilariously overdone Southern accent yeah. as Scarlet. That's so funny. Is, is, yeah, that that stuff yeah. is great. I love birds brighter than the city of Atlanta. A love is like a beacon, flame that you have kindled in my heart. An all-consuming passion, fanned by desire into it. Who could put out a fire like that? Um, this is all happening while Atlanta is burning behind them. Um, so this is just another one of these in this special that becomes more and more chaotic, and then it's just done. Well, but the I love when the firemen rush in. Same firemen yeah. we saw earlier in the Frankenstein sketch come rushing in, and Piggy just screams, "What are you doing? Will you knock it off?" <laughs> so good. Yeah. And Atlanta just burns. Yeah. Miss Piggy's funny. She is very funny. She's great. Uh, Then we come to the most elaborate sketch in the special. I guess this is kind of the big finale. It's A Frog Too Far. It's the World War II movie. Uh, Kermit is a soldier who's uh, thinking back uh, on his experiences um, with three different women he's encountered, all of whom are played by Lily Tomlin. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you got Francine, the wholesome girl at home, Gloria, the grease monkey, who is very funny. She's like a, a very aggressive uh, Rosie the Riveter type. Um, there's a moment where she's like, she's trying to, she wants Kermit to dance with her. And she just starts swinging him around, which uh, we've talked about this before. It's always funny when they do physical comedy with the puppets. Yeah. Um, and they just happen to be standing right in front of a bunch of bombs while she's just <laughs> kind of and, <laughs> frantically and, swinging him around. And Lily is so into it. I mean, she's having yeah, such she's, a Yeah, she's terrific yeah. as all three of these characters. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, I, 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 have a, I have a mission to fly, but when I get back, maybe I could buy you a root beer. Well, I'd love it. We could play the jukebox and mm-hmm. cut a rug. Yeah. I love root beer. It greases my gears. Gets the old transmission turning. Uh, the third one is a nun. Who takes care of him when she when when uh, he he crashes his plane and wakes up with amnesia, which is interesting because in a few years he will oh, yeah. also again have amnesia in a movie and the and Muppets take Manhattan. Um, and has forgotten that he's a frog. Right, he doesn't know he's a frog, and he she says like, "Look at yourself, you're green," and he thinks he's an avocado. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait, look, you have flippers, and he says, "Oh, I'm an avocado with flippers." Sort of. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, it's weird that he doesn't seem to notice that she's a nun, because he proposes to the nun. He asks her to marry him, and she has to say, no, I can't, because I'm a nun. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess if he just he's is coming been, out of the he's amnesia... Been very, he's been very seriously injured, yeah. Yeah. Well, also, you skipped over my favorite line in this sketch, which okay. is that Glor- Gloria, the mechanic, t- tells him, did anyone ever tell you you got eyes like two ping pong balls floating in green motor oil? Oh yeah, yeah. Which is like a, a callback or recycling. I forgot to write this down in the Anne Murray episode because I was just looking back at some of our Muppet Show reviews for Tough Pigs. Um, Piggy says that he has eyes like ping pong balls floating in a sea of algae. I think. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Huh. I did not. Yeah. That. So they're sort of recycling that here, but it's it's hilarious to say that floating in a floating in green motor oil. Yeah, it's so funny. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it ends it ends happily with Kermit reunited with Francine, who has now also joined the military. And then and that Yeah, and so but that uh but this is really the moment where like every where the entire like Muppet show concept just breaks down completely that um that they start singing We'll Meet Again, which by the way is also it's so this is like this is the last scene of the Muppet show ever like this is the this is the finale like double length episode of the show of the finale yeah and so their their uh and their closing song is we'll meet again don't know where don't know when um we know we'll meet again some sunny day which you know it's a world war ii song but also if you think about it in terms of like these people are all saying goodbye to working on the muppet show together in this place Mm, yeah um you know this is their last time in the studio on these sets um, with these well, people they're working with. Well, and it, and it's also famously plays over the bombs dropping yes. at the end of Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. So, you know, so like it, it's a song that like in a famous movie means like the mm-hmm. final goodbye, you, yes. you know? And then the thing that happens is that they, and uh, so they're singing it in World War II 
and then it cuts to I believe uh, Dudley Moore as Caesar, mm-hmm. and they start singing it, and then it goes to I don't know what it goes to like the Wizard of Oz next, and like it goes through all of the it goes to like Nephew Frankenstein, and to all of the different spoofs where we see that cast on that set with those uh, you know in those costumes singing part of the song and it kind of like hops from one to another, which is a thing that they do like by the Jim Henson hour. Yeah. Um, they do it in, they do it in every episode of the Jim Henson hour. Yeah. yeah. That became the standard for the closing number because yeah. they had all these different characters on the monitors and things. Right. But so they would bring them all back. But here it breaks the show Yeah, because you, you know, you see like, okay, so here's Miss Piggy on the world war two set. And then it cuts straight to like the, um, the Gone with the Wind, and now she's in you know the Scarlet O'Hara dress, and then it cuts to the Wizard of Oz, and there she is as Dorothy. And so you're seeing like Gonzo in various different places and costumes, and Dudley Moore in different places. Um, and it doesn't make sense anymore as this is a vaudeville stage show that ha- that's happening on stage. Like they would never have been able to do this in the Muppet Show, right? Yeah, how many different places can Gonzo be in at the same time, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> and so that kind of breaks the like the whole structure uh of what they're doing and then at the end of that um the last thing you see is they for like the last couple lines the words the end comes up and the camera pulls back and so you can see that it is just a movie screen on stage it's not actually they're not performing on stage Hmm. uh and it pulls back and through what should be the audience but there isn't really an audience there um and instead, there's just some characters who are also singing. And so it's just not really the Muppets on stage anymore. And so it pulls back and back and back. And then out the door of the Muppet Theater, yeah, which is never happening. Yeah. And then it kind of pans up and you see the Muppets go to the movies as a kind of neon marquee and then pulls back and you see the Muppet Theater. And it is the first time that we have ever been outside of the Muppet Theater looking at it. And it is basically mm-hmm. our farewell to the Muppet theater and to the Muppet show. Um, they are saying yeah, goodbye for to, sure. to this format, to, to what they are doing. And they are now becoming something new. Yeah. Which I think yeah, is really yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, uh, well, well, and it's it. still, it's just, I'm just like, I love this special. Cause I think it's hilarious, but like that moment when we see the marquee of the Muppet theater. Yeah. Like, the, the idea that they made this thing to say goodbye to the Muppet show is it's so beautiful. Like yeah. it, it makes me so happy that that happened. Cause yeah. it, it, they, they could have just not done it. The Muppet show could have just mm. ended, you know? Yeah. And in, instead they did this, well, this weird, this weird show where they are saying goodbye to television um, and to this like protective environment where they live. It's I, uh, this metaphor isn't going to work, but it, it's kind of like the Muppet show is in egg if you'll go with me for a second, um, <laughs> that it's like that the, you know, this, that the Muppet show is this sealed environment that has kind of protected and nurtured these characters and let them kind of explore and develop within this environment to become something bigger than they thought they were going to be. And like, they went outside for the Muppet movie and, and uh, you know, and the specials, but then they like, they come back into this environment. And this is now the time where like that egg hatches. Yeah. They are not going to be in this protected space anymore. And like, and they didn't know it at the time, but we know now that it's actually never going to be this good again. 
that the Muppets leaving the Muppet show and leaving the Muppet theater, 1981, like Miss Piggy's guide to life is going to come out like next month. And it's going to be on the New York times bestseller list for weeks and weeks. Like that's like, they're incredibly famous and popular right now. And after this, like the fantastic Miss Piggy show is the next year. And it's just not as good. And the Muppets take Manhattan comes out and then they turn into a cartoon and then, you know, and then like, it's a lot of like kind of more and more disappointing things right, right. I mean, throughout you, the 80s. You, well, you skipped over Muppet Family Christmas, which of course puts a wrench in your Oh, theory. no, that's, yeah, no, no, it's later. Like right, there's, right. no, there's lots of like, there's ups and downs for the next like 40 years. Um, right, right. <laughs> but, but it's never, but it's but, never going to be 1981 ever again. But Muppet Family Christmas also I, I know it's not the last thing the Muppets did with Jim Henson and Richard Hunt. Yeah. But it but it does kind of feel it kind of feels like a final bow, you know? Mm-hmm. Also. Um yeah. c- certainly more so than Muppets at Walt Disney World does, which yeah. is fine, but it's Muppet No, it doesn't have the same Muppet Family the same, Christmas. Uh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, this is uh, it, it, saying goodbye to the Muppet show and kind of leaving the Muppet Theater behind. Obviously Jim Henson was ready to do that so he yeah. could try all these things. But it's true that in in going out to have the opportunity to do all these new things, yeah, he was leaving behind the sort of the the security of this thing that it was a sure thing. Everyone yeah. was tuning into the Muppet Show every week, and it was a hit, and everyone was buying the merchandise, and they kind of yeah. they kind of left that behind a little bit, and yeah. now kind of going on tour, and and then so then and so like. Sometimes when I say this kind of stuff, I read this kind of stuff, it's like, okay, but I'm, you know, I'm reading stuff into it, whatever. Like, the last scene that they do, they are locking up the theater and literally saying goodbye to it. Right. Yeah. Instead of a closing number, like, there's no, there's no, like, closing theme or anything like that. The credits roll. No, as the credits roll, they're all leaving the theater behind. And, and literally locking up the door. And so, like, and you know that it's it's not possible for these people doing the thing that they're doing right now, leaving this studio, leaving this place that they've been, the locking the door at the end, like, obviously they mean it. Like, that's sim- intentional symbolism for them. For sure. Hmm. I think um, that's yeah. right. And it's, and it's really um, touching in that way. And here I thought I was insightful because I noticed that Miss <laughs> Piggy says they're going to walk to the tube. That is weird, which, too. Which makes it seem like, oh, yeah, this must be London. Well, yeah. we, uh, we, we talked about when the Muppets went on the Tonight Show, uh, when Kermit hosted the Tonight Show, mm-hmm. we talked about that on this podcast a while ago. And in that, two of the guests, Bernadette Peters and Leo Sayer, both say, like, when I was on your show in London or when we were in London. Yeah, yeah. Like, like right. to, to the Muppets, not to Jim Henson, not to Frank Oz mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But, like, up until now, that's the only indication we ever got that the Muppet Show takes place in London. Yes. Right. You know? And now we know... And Miss Piggy mentions the tube, and so now, thanks to the Muppets Go to the Movies, we know that the show takes place in London and in 1960. Right. <laughs> Although, um... With, uh, a little, with a little bit of Star Wars. So what you're saying is that that's why Jason Siegel and them should have set their movie in London, because that's yes. where the Muppet Theater is. Yes, yeah, exactly. In the Muppets' very merry, happy, jolly mm-hmm. Christmas time the uh, fruitcake show uh the muppet theater is in new york right yes 
Yeah, it's so. in New York in that one, and it's in L.A. in, yeah. the, in the Jason Segel movie. Yeah, so it's it's just wherever they mm-hmm. happen to find it convenient to place it. Yeah, but again, as we've discussed many times, there's no Muppet canon. There is no Muppet it's, canon in there. It, it can be fun to talk about, but it ultimately doesn't lead anywhere. Right. Um, the last thing we see is uh, that Dudley Moore and Lily Tomlin are locked inside the theater. So if, in fact, the Muppets are leaving the Muppet theater behind forever, forever yep. uh, for all we know, those two might still be locked in there. Still there. <laughs> they they uh, might still be pounding on that door. And let me ask you, what's the last Dudley Moore movie that you remember? Oh, it's, it's Holy <laughs> Moses. It's the... It's the terrible Life of Brian ripoff. Holy yeah. Moses. Uh, no. They're oh, still stuck. I mean, it's Arthur. 1981, they are still... They've been stuck in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> for, 40, for 40 years. I have no evidence that that's not the case. Yeah. yeah. Although, I, wow. mean, I mean, Lily has a Netflix show. Oh, right. All right, okay, all right. Fine. All right. So then the, real, then the world is real after all. That's actually, <laughs> that's actually, that's actually kind of comforting. Uh-huh. Or they, they just found... They, they picked the lock or they... Found some way out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the end. Um, the only other comment I had throughout the, the special, when they do these movie spoofs, we see these studio logo parodies. Yes, yeah. Um, you got your 20th Century Frog, Metro Goldwyn Bear, J. Arthur Link, which is a spoof of J. Arthur Rank, uh, Tantamount Pictures, and Cholesterol, which is a spoof of Columbia Pictures. These are. They could have done better than Cholesterol, I think. Yes, they absolutely could have done better than cholesterol. They're very Mad Magazine uh, ish. These these spoof names, and they sort of, to me, seem to anticipate the spoofs that they would do for Muppet Magazine in the eighties, yeah. and then all those those posters and T shirts that they did in the nineties. Oh, yeah. yeah, although that, I mean, that's starting in that. What year is the? What year isn't there a movie poster calendar from like the eighties? Maybe not. Maybe that was uh, later. Oh, does it? Oh, well, 19, do they, yeah, 1982, they do the um, Great Lovers of the Silver Screen with, with Kermit and Piggy each month, like, doing Grease and doing Annie Hall. Right, right. And that stuff. And yeah, yeah, do they spoof the titles yeah, in that? Yeah, that does have... Yeah, that has very... Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that does it for me. Any other final thoughts about this special? Danny, I will start with you. Uh, I I am not ready to die. <laughs> How about a rubber That's, chicken? That is all. That is that is what I have left. Is is I'm I am sad that the Muppet Show is over and the special is over and this podcast is going to oh. be over. I am not ready. Oh. <laughs> well, this episode will be over, but there will be more to come. Great. We'll be we'll be back to talk about your favorite cereal box giveaway, the Muppets Take Manhattan. <laughs> Fantastic. Before, oh, before yeah. too long. My only thought that I have is this is one of my three favorite Muppet things ever made. Wow. Wow. It's it's this uh Great Muppet Caper and Muppet Family Christmas. And yeah. I think I think part of it is that it's just like it's very hard for me to point to any particular episode of the Muppet Show mm. and be like, you know, and, and there are episodes that I love. You know, I have I have favorite episodes. But to point to it and be like, this is this is the machine working perfectly. This like, is this one has everything. Right. Yeah. This is everything. And this is like, look, they made us they made a super long Muppet show with like a Frankenstein spoof in it. Yeah. What, what, and they do the wizard of Oz method. Like what could be better than this? Nothing. You, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So that just about wraps it up then for this week. 
Uh, we will be back with another bonus episode soon, pretty soon. Um, Anthony, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the next thing we'll be talking about is a movie directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz called The Dark Crystal. That is that is our next topic. There you go. We, we, we will be joined by a yet-to-be-determined special guest, but hopefully someone who likes The Dark Crystal more than we do. I was uh, yes, I you know, I was gonna I didn't know what you were gonna say over like our next episode is not and I was about to say like so I'm gonna be like you're gonna have me on for that one too right uh, and then you said the dark crystal I'm like oh I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> one of the all time great uh, classic tough pigs articles um, is the one where Danny compared the dark crystal to Thelma and Louise <laughs> and Thelma and Louise came out on top obviously oh, yeah. classic yeah um, no I think we. Yeah, well, we can talk about it uh, All right. off 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 the show, uh, Anthony. But I think a Muppet fan friend of ours did volunteer to talk about the Dark Crystal with us. Is awesome. there is there a time off this podcast? <laughs> there certainly I should think, be. I think again, if anyone is listening at this point, they must be asking themselves: Is there life after how many, oh, yeah. how many <laughs> years? No, they're just like the, you know, they're washing dishes. The pages of the uh, calendar, made. June, July, like this civilization, they're gonna they're gonna stumble out of this podcast just blinking. Is there still a world? No, they yeah they they fell asleep like at least an hour ago. Oh, that's good. Well, bless bless them, bless you all. Yes, uh, and until the next episode, please make sure you check out toughpigs.com on the internet. We are on Facebook and Twitter and all of those things. And uh, we do want to hear from you if you have thoughts on this episode, on this special, um, or any thoughts on The Muppets Take Manhattan, which we will be covering uh, in a bit. Uh, feel free to drop by our Facebook or Twitter or send us an email at moveinrightalong at toughpigs.com. Also, you can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe, and Anthony is not on Twitter anymore. That's right. I successfully deleted my Twitter six weeks ago, and I haven't regretted it for a second. Well done. Yeah, yeah. And so you cannot find Anthony on Twitter. Uh, Danny, where can people find you, if anywhere, on the internet? Uh, my Dark Shadows blog, darkshadowseveryday.com, uh, where I am writing about every episode of the 1960s vampire soap opera Dark Shadows. Yeah. How many episodes are there? Uh, there are, there's a thousand basically that I'm writing about. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've been at it a while. Yeah. It's been a long thing. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be closing it up pretty soon. Oh, all right. Yeah. Everybody should check that out. Yeah. And if you don't mind, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can give us a review and tell your friends about the show and join us again next time for another episode of Moving Right Along with Gummo. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>